Today on Ag News Daily. Just bringing one sick calf in at a time. Uh, the reader will read it and will program in the iPad what we're actually giving those cattle. And that will be put into the bill. Good afternoon and happy Tuesday, a Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell. Delaney, how's your Tuesday going today? Tuesday's pretty good, Ashton. Don't have anything super new to report today. So I'm just going to kick it back to you for some news. Well, I have some unfortunate news if you are a pasta or bread lover, which I am both of those things. But there's been not a super great harvest of Durham wheat in Canada and Europe. So that's shot up prices nearly 90%. Canada is the world's largest producer of Durham wheat, and they're only expected to reduce two-thirds of its originally expected output, so could be some bad news for supermarket shelves. It certainly sounds that way, Ashton. And I am also a big bread, pasta, pizza person, so uh, I hope that those prices don't go up. I guess you could just make your own bread, though, at that point. I guess so, but I don't know that that would go really well for me. <laughs> Well, I have a bread machine maker, so that actually sounds really good. Now I kind of am like itching to go home and make some fresh baked bread. Well, you're going to have to ship me down some Delaney because I am not the best cook. I like to cook, but my skills aren't all that great. That's okay. It takes a lot of practice. Bread machine really does most of it for you. So I won't uh, take too much credit there, but while we're talking kind of market news, Ashton, I wanted to bring up here that the port of Houston is looking like it's going to suspend shipments here indefinitely due to inclement weather from Hurricane Nicholas. Tropical Storm Nicholas is expected to bring heavy rains here for about the next 24 hours. I believe it should have touched land already, but the port was closed. Port Houston was closed starting at 3 p.m. on Monday and is going to shut off and or it's going to be remaining shut off until at least 7 p.m. Tuesday tonight. So Port Houston compromises about eight public terminals, 200 private terminals, and is just another kind of kink here in the supply chain overall, Ashton. Well, while we're on that note, I do have an update coming out of Louisiana, and it's, of course, talking about Hurricane Ida. It's kind of a two-parter here. The first one coming from Cargill as they restarted its West Wego, Louisiana grain export terminal, and on Monday, it unloaded its first grain barge since Ida had shut down the facility two weeks ago. Power was also restored to Cargill's heavily damaged terminal in Reserve, Louisiana, but the company is still assessing damages from the storm and developing phased reopening plans on that facility. And then I also have some news concerning sugarcane crop. We've kind of been waiting to see what damage that Ida did to crops across Louisiana, but it's looking like sugarcane had taken really the the most of it as Hurricane Ida damaged about 118,000 acres of sugarcane crop. So when it comes to sugarcane, not so sure, um, you know, how things are going to look like when it's 
come harvest time. I don't know when they start to harvest sugarcane down in Louisiana, but things aren't looking too great for those producers down there. And especially if we're seeing, you know, another tropical storm coming here soon. So just kind of another hit to the state of Louisiana. Yeah, it certainly sounds that way, Ashton. They're just having a tough time down there dealing with all of this uh, tropical weather. And um, just a quick mention, I I talk to Eric Snodgrass every Tuesday for my day job at Trader PhD. So I'm going to chat with him today because I think that he'll have definitely some good insight. So I'll make sure and share that tomorrow on the podcast, Ashton. But I do have a quick update here while we're talking about facilities being shut down. It's expected, although I have not been able to find any official word that the JBS facility was going to reopen for full capacity today on September 14th. However, poking around their website, their Facebook page, I've not been able to find any confirmation that in fact they did reopen today but they did say that they were expecting to resume operations and that all in all this wasn't really as bad as what maybe folks were originally thinking and so that it apparently did not impact the plant's quote-unquote primary production areas and that they would be able to pending you know ongoing assessment of the situation reopen today So I will keep an eye out on that, see if we can get any official confirmation. But as of yet, I have not been able to find anything. I don't know if you have, Ashton. No, I haven't seen anything either, which is a little bit surprising to me since that news um, was kind of hard hitting yesterday. But uh, I'm going to, of course, keep my eyes peeled out and see if any other articles come out later this afternoon and maybe post those on our socials to kind of keep everybody in the loop there. But I just have one other piece of news to loop in here for today. Didn't have a whole lot of conversations really happening Um across the the news wires here. But the last thing that I wanted to talk about was President Biden nominating the head of the Almond Alliance of California to be the chief agriculture negotiator in the office of the U.S. Trade Representative. U.S. Trade Representative Tai says that Elaine Trevino understands the importance of America's farmers and farming communities to the vitality of the economy And her experience will help the administration craft durable trade policy that creates broad-based prosperity. On a call with reporters earlier this morning, Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley says that Trevino will have a lot of work to do if confirmed. He said that he was particularly concerned about Mexico's ban on biotech products and Canada's manipulation of the dairy tariff rate quotas. So if Trevino is confirmed, it sounds like there might be a lot on her plate. It certainly sounds that way, Ash, and I saw that little piece of news as well, so I'm glad you snagged that one for us. But as we wrap up today's podcast, head into the markets, and then our Tech Tuesday interview sponsored by Performance Livestock Analytics, Ash, and I've got just one other quick piece of news here for today, and that is talking about crop progress, which, of course, we had come out yesterday afternoon, and the big headline is that we are 4% of our U.S. corn crop is officially harvested as of Sunday, September 12th. And so overall, we saw a 4% post there, 4% gain there in harvest. 
But as far as crop conditions go, corn crop ratings declined about 1% now to 58% in good to excellent conditions, while soybean ratings were left unchanged. And cotton conditions received a slight boost after USDA slashed their ratings in a previous report. So big headline is, of course, we're 4% harvested there nationwide of our corn crop. And I expect that number to jump probably pretty significantly next week when we touch base on this because combines are starting to roll. And of course, Ashton, as we dive into the markets, today's episode, as I mentioned, is sponsored by Performance Livestock Analytics and their beef system, Performance Beef, which is an easy-to-use cattle management software. Do you know your break-even for every group of cattle on feed? Performance beef users have a quick access to real-time accurate data. The technology simplifies feeding to financial data, making it easy to generate real-time closeouts, update rations, or analyze performance trends all in one place. Your feed, financial, and health information are integrated into one easy-to-use platform accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to learn more and request a demo. And with that, Ashen, let's dive over here into the commodity markets today because we did see some strength across grains. Finally, I thought soybeans were going to finish up higher on the day today. Unfortunately, they couldn't quite pull through, but we did see some strength in the corn contracts today. The December corn contract finished seven and a half cents higher today to close at 520 and three quarters. The November down a penny to close at 1283 and three quarters. Wheat across the board today has been posted higher gains as the Chicago December contract added 13 and a half cents to close right above $7. And in livestock for today, we saw some strength finally in the cattle complex as the October live cattle contract closed at $1.85 higher to end at $124.12 and a half. The Dece up $2.50 to close at $129.65. Feeder cattle today, as I mentioned, were higher as well with the October contract closing $2.70 higher to end at $158.10. The November contract up $2.57.5 to close at $159.72 and a half. And for today's lean hog markets, the October contract shedding 40 cents to close at 80, 37 and a half. The Dece down $1.20 to close at 72, 17 and a half. And lastly, wrapping things up here with our class three dairy milk futures. The October contract down 23 cents today to close at 1727. The November down 24 cents to close at 1711. Now, Ashton, without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation today with Performance Livestock Analytics beef customer, Calvin Lowry. Well, folks, for today's hashtag Tech Tuesday interview, of course, sponsored today by Performance Livestock Analytics, we're chatting with another rancher who gets to use this technology day to day. His name is Calvin Lowry, located in Prairie View, Kansas. Calvin, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. Certainly appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to be here. So Calvin, for those of our folks who are not super familiar with the geography of Kansas, tell us where Prairie View, Kansas is located. Along Highway 36 uh, between Bellsburg and Norton, Kansas kind of in the central part of the state, about 15 miles south of the Nebraska state line. So, And Calvin, when you look at your makeup there in that area, as far as agriculture goes, I'm sure cattle country is, uh, is ranging hot there, but tell us a little bit more about your operation. Yeah, we will run between four and 500 cow-calf pairs and we have a small background in the yard of about a thousand. 
that we feed basically half our cattle and half outside cattle. So obviously, Calvin, we talked about how you use performance beef. Tell us a little bit more about why you decided to start using their management software and all of that good stuff. Well, I just was looking for a program that would help uh, keep track of how the cattle were doing, plus being able to um, process billing for my customers without doing a lot of um, paperwork. And so when you say process billing for your customers, you're talking about those folks that you're backgrounding for, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, We'll have anywhere from four to six customers at a time, and we send out monthly bills for them. So just out of curiosity, Calvin, those customers that you're backgrounding for, are these other folks in the ag industry? Are these people that are just looking for some sort of side investment? Tell us a little bit more about that. They're range from uh, like a neighbor that a couple of neighbors that we feed their calves from September, October till January, February. And then we'll also feed some cattle for some guys that just do it for the extra income. They will buy the cattle and we will background them to 800, 850 pounds, and then they will sell them after that. So. So beyond that, Calvin, you also added the animal health feature. How do you use it to track data on your operation? Well, we have uh, scales on the chute, and every calf has an EID tag that when they get th- go through the chute, the reader will read the tag number and Whatever process we're doing, whether we're doing a mass um, vaccination program or just bringing one sick calf in at a time, uh, the reader will read it and will program in the iPad what we're actually giving those cattle. And that will be put into the bill, which will be sent out to the owner of that cattle, along with I have a. Uh, a scale head in my feed truck that is also Bluetooth to my iPad. And it keeps track of all of the feed that each pin gets fed and goes directly to the billing also. And Calvin, I don't know how old of a guy you are. I can't, I can't guess that here over the, over the call here, but I'm just curious to know too, you know, it sounds like you use some pretty advanced technology, whether it's performance beef, you got your iPad there. I think you use some cool technology, but as far as the history of the cattle industry, you know, when you look at technology as a whole, what have you seen as far as trends and changes and how does performance beef fit into that? It um, really provides a great accuracy, like in uh, what I'm feeding, um, the customer gets billed for exactly what the calf gets fed, whether if if we would happen to go over the on the corn a little bit, that's what the customer gets billed for, or if we would go under, that's what they get billed for. I mean, that's what I really am impressed, the accuracy of what the cattle are getting fed to what they're getting billed, the customers get billed for. 
Now, there's a lot of different management software out there, and I think that a lot of producers you know, have certain ways that they operate and of course run their production facilities. But Calvin, do you have any advice or anything for someone who might be looking into performance beef or any other management software and kind of making that transition to going online? Yeah, I think that it's, it's very handy for me if I'm not the one here actually feeding. Um, I can with about five or 10 minutes of instruction, I have, you know, some other friends that will feed from me or my son from time to time. And they can just pick up the iPad, go feed, and it keeps track of everything they do. And at the end of the day, I get an email to show me how well they fed. So I always tell them, I said, do a really nice job because I will know. So it's pretty cool how it works. It's a, you're able to have a little bit of a tracking over your people then that are stepping in. Yes, absolutely. And uh, on the health side of it, I really enjoy the accuracy that it gives me um, on how much those calves are gaining in between each time they go through the shoot. So... Calvin, as far as other beef producers that are listening to this episode right now, you know, I think... We see a lot of technology, we see a lot of change, we see a lot of cool things coming down the pipeline, but what advice do you have for those cattlemen that are listening that are maybe looking into either performance livestock analytics or some sort of other system? How do you go about making the decision about what fits your operation best or what advice do you have in general for cattlemen? Well, you know, we're always trying to keep track of our costs and this product is very reasonable as far as I'm concerned for what I do, you know, just to make sure everything that we put into that calf, whether it's medication or feed, will go directly to the owner's bill and it doesn't get lost in the paper chase, you know. That's, to me, a pretty big deal. This program has really cut down for like when we're processing calves, it used to be we had to have one person actually write down the tag number and the calf's weight, which would probably be either myself or my wife, and then put it on a spreadsheet. And then at the end of the month, send that to the owner, which now it, the iPad does it all automatically. I can print out a report at the end of the month. Or when we get ready to ship cattle, I can do a closeout on those calves in, in less than five, 10 minutes, which is a pretty big deal. I can tell you exactly how much money that guy made on those cattle, you know, right away. And, and that's pretty pleasing to a lot of guys, I think so. Well, Calvin, we certainly appreciate you coming on and talking to us about performance beef. We definitely appreciate it. Yeah. Well, no problem. Thanks again there to Calvin for coming on and chatting with us about performance beef. Definitely appreciate what, you know, he had to say and what performance beef is doing for our producers out there, Delaney. 
Absolutely, Ash. And I, I agree. And it's been really fun to watch and work with Performance Livestock Analytics just because their journey in the beef industry has been a really interesting one. I remember a few years ago when they were just a startup company, you know, just kind of paving their way. And now they're really one of the leading pieces of technology for the cattle industry. So it's been really cool to watch that journey. That's for sure. Well, Delaney, if our listeners want to tune into any of our other future tech Tuesday episodes or just any of our episodes in general, because we're always having some exciting conversations here on the Ag News Daily podcast, they can do so at agnewsdaily.com. But with that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.